Support USJ. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to uh, the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is uh, our uh, our show this week. Uh, David, I think it's the 21st of April, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Uh, it is. It, it is. is. I it can't is. believe April's almost over. That means it's springtime and our garden should be doing awesome at this point. Except we can't plant anything. <laughs> our garden. I, I, I've never you seen it You know what's good in my this. garden? Mud. Mud Pardon? is doing very good in my garden. It's the best mud year I've had. Oh, yeah. Best mud year. Best there. mud year I've ever had. It's... Uh, Really unbelievable. Although, I'll tell you, my fruit trees are loving the water. Are they? Yeah, my fruit trees are blossoming like crazy and growing like crazy. So uh, as long as the deer don't eat everything on them, I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah, well, you should be. You know, fruit fruit trees like uh, like wet. Yeah, so not, and I don't want to be wet forever, but hopefully we'll get... This week's not going to rain again until Friday, I think. Uh, Thursday. Over the weekend. So. Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, and who knows about Sunday. Well, I'll be out of town... Uh, Friday, Don't worry, I'll come over and plant the whole thing for you. Did you do that? Would you do that? Yeah. I'll, let, I'll let the seeds out. You know, the point at this point, David, is we can't plant. I mean, radish is a little too little late. Lettuce is probably a little too late. Peas are definitely too late. So maybe I'll have a fall crop of those things. I, you know, it's I'm going to plant uh, some watermelon. Good time of year to do uh, that. Once, once this thing, they would love. The thing it's watermelon yeah. would love all this water. Yeah. They would just seem to be awesome. And if I can clean the weeds out in a big enough spot to do it, don't I, plant I, any I plant, corn. I don't know, <laughs> corn hate this. I've given up corn, uh, but I, I've, I've never seen it. I, mu- I must say, on the other side of the fence, this has been. Uh, you know, Texas has had a lot of rain, yep. and uh, my Which little needed it. my little farm has gotten. Uh, we've gotten. Almost two inches of rain going, which is great going into to planting. Yep. If we can get the soil temperature up, yeah, well, that's, that, a, that that's the other crazy thing. <laughs> get it warmer a little bit. Well, David, uh, it's uh, besides the garden update, which is no garden update at all since you can't plant anything. Oh, by the way, my tomatoes and peppers are doing great in my basement. In your basement, they're doing great in the basement. When, when can we start harvesting some of your tomatoes in your basement? <laughs> they're going to be growing in the basement uh, here here uh, the next several months. Uh, you know, Friday was a big day. Uh, with your but you're with your buddy Jerry Smith. It was a big day. Yeah, I, I uh, did. Jerry do anything? He didn't talk a lot. He asked a couple questions. Um, how old do you think he is, Jerry? Yeah. I know exactly how old uh, he is. He's sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Well, he, he really only said one thing. He kind of referred to a a recent Supreme Court case called Massachusetts versus EPA, where he said um, basically, I think the whole case turns on Massachusetts versus EPA. And that was a case where the EPA basically had stopped enforcing a particular law, and Massachusetts went off after them about that, and um, the Supreme Court said, yeah, you can go after them for that. I guess drawing a parallel, Obama hasn't enforced immigration law, so the states can go after him. But this is, I mean, literally, they didn't enforce the law. Obama's enforcing the law all the time. So it's really, again, a mistaken understanding of what the law is. But it was a, uh, that's really all he talked about. So it was really down to the other two judges. One is a, one is a Bush appointee from Houston, another Houston boy. Uh, and the other is a Obama appointee who I think is from Louisiana. Uh, Higginson is his name. Uh, Higginson um, uh, was um, very skeptical of the state's argument, as you would expect. He's a Democrat. Uh, at one point, he mused this, that the current controversy is a direct result of a conflict between the White House and Congress, noting Congress could change this like that. That's political jockeying the court should say. You know, a lot of times in these oral arguments, 
the judges aren't really talking to the respondent or the defendant or the plaintiff. They're talking to the other judges. They're just, and that happens in the Supreme Court all the time. And that's their idea. They're they're talking to, you know, Scalia is talking to Ginsburg, but through his questions to the to the person that's arguing. And I, I think the message Higgins is saying is that, look, we shouldn't be involved in this. This is a congressional matter. The courts should not be stepping into the middle of this, is this issue. Hello? And that was a, a warning sign that we're talking about uh, immigration. <laughs> My phone must be ringing. Um, now, Jennifer Elrod, she is the appointee from Bush, uh, Bush Sr., Smith, of course, was appointed by Reagan. Um, and uh, she kind of took an opposite tack there. She, uh, uh, she was much more pro-state um, uh, in her discussion about, um, you know, what uh, the things they'd be looking for. Um, and, 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 and she seemed to be a little more confused about the fact that DAPA is not a status. She thinks that it, it was like, she tried, kept asking, what's the difference between lawful presence and lawful status? There's a huge difference between lawful presence and lawful status. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't think the government's guy, Ben Miser, who was arguing on the path of the Department of Justice, I frankly think he kind of did a crappy job. I think he could have done a much better job. And I think part of the problem is you have folks that are arguing this case from the Civil Rights Division who really don't understand immigration law all that well. They don't have the, the background in immigration law. And this case is, while this case is about standing and the case is about uh, the power of the presidency, it's really about immigration. Unless you have a firm grasp of immigration law, it becomes much harder to talk about why the president did what he did and what effect it really had. Uh, so uh, the hearing ostensibly focused on lifting the, the ban, and and we and I told you they wouldn't make a decision. We knew they weren't going to make a decision that day, uh, and we also know they've already given from their order earlier in the month. They've given the, the states and the feds uh, a um, another two weeks, I think, to in which to submit their uh, arguments uh, in writing, really to respond to the things that were said at the oral argument. So I'm thinking uh, we'll see the government's response and the state's response around April 30th, May 1. I think it's April 30th they gave them to, possibly May 1. And uh, then I think we're going to have an answer pretty quickly. Uh, Elrod, for example, she was the, she's the Bush appointee, uh, seemed very skeptical of the government's arguments, repeatedly peppering the DOJ lawyers with questions about the scope of the orders, whether it's appropriate to provide undocumented work permits, and potentially federal benefits like Social Security. Well, they don't get Social Security. They get a Social Security card, but they don't get Social Security. Um, and again, I, I don't think that he did a particularly good job. I, I, I listened to the arguments, David. They're two hours, which wow. is a really... I mean, at the Supreme Court, you only get 45 minutes. I mean, two hours is a long time. Uh, and the recording was not a great recording. Uh, it was tough to hear it at times. Um, and, of course... Being in an oral argument and being part of it or witnessing it in person is different than listening to it because you catch body language, you catch interpretation, you catch what people say better when you can see their lips moving or be in the presence of the context than are just listening to a recording. But uh, it, it was interesting. Higginson um, uh, obviously is going to vote to turn this aside. What I was really disturbed by is I didn't think Miser did a really good job he did not do a very good job of talking about the standing issue. Um, 
And uh, one legal observer, uh, she's a law professor at Penn State, uh, Shobawadia, said, I see, how, I find it difficult to see how the plaintiffs are going to overcome the standard in light of what the standards of, of, of uh, standing, uh, in light of the same circuit last week ruling in favor. Although Judge Smith said, well, that, you know, they didn't really delve into the issue of, uh, of standing, and that, although they did, I think I think he's trying to minimize what that what that what that panel did, and that panel was also a two Republican, one Democrat panel. It wasn't a Democrat panel because this district, this circuit court, is very heavily heavily Republican. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens as part of this. I think um, that um, they again they're going to overturn uh, the stay. I really do believe that. Uh, I, I'm not as strongly believing that as I did before the oral argument because, again, I didn't think... It's not the panel that bothered me. I didn't think the, the, the government person arguing this was their best person. I think they could have put a much better person on this case. I thought their writing was way better this time. Their, their, their briefs were significantly better than, the, than what was submitted initially with the district court. Uh, but their oral argument, I thought, was, was lacking. Um, and... Uh, you know, again, this it all goes back to Obama. At the end of the day, if if it doesn't move forward, it's because of Obama. If we don't have immigration reform, it's because of Obama. Um, not moving on this one, he could have. Uh, I, I started a huge argument on my Facebook page last night, David. Huge argument, um, and uh, there was a chat going back and forth uh, between. Uh, couple of my friends on different sides of the aisle. It got, got a little bit ugly at times, but that's okay. They, they're still my friends. They, they can blow up my Facebook page, but they're still my friends. Uh, really about Obama uh, and uh, the fact that he's done nothing uh, to fix the problem. He has clearly enforced the law. People that tell you that he's not doing that, they're just lying. They're just making stuff up. Uh, he's clearly enforcing the law. They might, he might not be enforcing how you like it, but he is definitely enforcing the law. Um, and that's evidenced by the people that are being picked up now. Uh, and I'll give you an example, David. A young man came to my office yesterday from Guatemala. Uh, and when he came from Guatemala, he was 17 years old. He got here last October. His birthday's in February. He was 17. He was uh, fleeing violence. They tried to recruit him into a gang in Guatemala. He's just, and he's a little kid. He's, you know, most Guatemalans are not big people anyway. I mean, this is a little kid kind of from a small village. Uh, you could tell he limited education. Very sweet young man, though. Uh, his uncle came to see me yesterday with him. And I said, what can I help you with? He said, well, I have, to, I have to go to immigration next week. I have to report on Friday to immigration according to this letter. I said, well, okay. When's your court hearing? Oh, I didn't go to my court hearing. When was your court hearing? It was in January. Why didn't you go to your court hearing? Well, I couldn't afford a lawyer then. This is the problem not having lawyers for children, right? If he had gone to the hearing in January and seen a lawyer before his birthday, he would have been eligible for this program we've called Special Immigrant Juvenile Status, where he could have gotten legal status in the United States because he was an abandoned he was a, you know, abandoned child. I mean, basically his parents sent him away from there from Guatemala as a child, and he can get special status. But the moment, but he didn't go to his hearing. So by going not going to your hearing, you get ordered to deport it. And then he turned eighteen, and now he gets not now he's nothing. And so when he shows up at immigration on Friday, what happens? Clink clink, put the handcuffs on. Put him in a, an adult jail. Now, he was in a, a juvenile detention six months ago. Now he's going to go to an adult jail and wait his deportation to Guatemala. Uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going on with enforcement today. Um, and uh, what these judges don't seem to realize, and, and this is because the government's not explaining this, DAPA is an enforcement mechanism. 
It's designed to have people who they would not normally find and would not normally deport to come forward and say, here I am, I'm here. And in return for making ICE's job easier in identifying where people live, verifying they're not criminal threats, verifying their criminal backgrounds, in return for that, we're going to give you a temporary work permit, uh, and then we'll see what we're going to do. That's that's part of enforcement. It's like having an amnesty. You know, we've had an amnesty for, we used to have a toll road here in Georgia. Every every year there'd be an amnesty in September. Why? Because they could collect more money, they could get more people in the door, and they and they lift this idea that you're that you're breaking the law. Well, this is just kind of part of that. It's not an amnesty. It's a temporary relief, but you're now you're on ICE's radar, and all of a sudden millions more people are in ICE's system that weren't there. Again, a, a poor presentation by Mr. Miser. Um, and, you know, some people would say, oh, he did the best job he could. I said, you know, if that was the best job he could do, and that's the best the Department of Justice has to offer, I think we're in big, I think we're in big trouble. I think we're in big trouble. I got a, a question for you. Uh, not, argue, not arguing with you, but arguing with you maybe in, in a different sense. You were touting what Obama has done, mm-hmm. and I, and I would argue that uh, Obama probably has no idea what's going on actually, and so it falls back on to who would be in charge, and that would be uh, under Homeland Security and the DOJ, I would assume. Uh, the, um, yeah, Jay Johnson at the DHS, and and your buddy Eric Holder. At yeah, DOJ. my buddy. You're right, and but. I'm not even sure. Well, I think Holder probably as sneaky as he is. There is an agenda there that he's doing his thing, maybe. But I'm sure. I'm. I'm not sure it's for the the reasons that we would we would particularly be proud of. Um, and as far and and I would say that in my opinion, the only connection of what. Obama is doing is the fact that he appointed Holder. We're going to have to take a break, though. We'll be back with the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, David, I don't know, now that, we've, now that we've kind of beat to death the DAPA uh, court hearing, and, and we'll just have to wait until the middle of May or so. Well, I guess we'll talk about it in two weeks when I come back. We well, should have the briefs by then, and we can talk a little bit about the briefs and what they mean. 
But uh, I don't know if you heard about this guy. Uh, his name is Marco Rubio. You, have you heard of him? <laughs> I think so, yes. A uh, senator out of Florida. Florida, exactly right. A first-term senator out of Florida. I have to ask you a question. Honestly, is he too young to be president? I'm sorry, do I Is he too young to be president? No, I don't think he's too young. I don't think... Do uh, you think he has enough life experience and judgment to be president of the United States? Not asking you to compare him to Obama, okay? I'm just saying, <laughs> generally speaking, well, see, do you, I, you prefer your presidents with a little more experience in life? Well, not only experience in life, but I have a real problem, and I don't, I don't know of anyone at this point that's running that has military experience. Well, we talked about that and, before. Uh, um, I am very pro person running for commander in chief should have some type of military. Should have had military. You know what's experience. really odd is in Britain. Both the boys who could be king, including Charles as well, they all in the military. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, and our biggest and our greatest ally. Well, what, what, what does the king of England do? <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that's fascinating. No, they, they have I military do. experience, and yet our kids don't. But get back to Mark Rubio. Is he too young to be president of the United States? He would be forty. No, I think no, You know, how old was Kennedy? Kennedy uh, was in his. Late forties, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't no, he? No. Mid early forties. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but it was a different time. He'd also served in the military. Exactly. He'd served in the military, which I think is different than what Rubio did. Was basically he he was on a city council uh, for a few years. He got elected to the state legislature, where six years later he was a speaker, and then a couple years later he was uh, he was a senator. He's only forty three years old. I mean, he's only what sixteen, seventeen years out of law school. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm now 52, and I don't think anybody younger than me should be president. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you get to a certain age, you don't really care. Um, but uh, here's my problem with Marco Rubio. Besides, I well, think do you think young. Clinton is too old to be president? Uh, no, I don't think you're too old to be president unless you have some sort of dementia. <laughs> uh, I don't think she's got dementia. I think she's got delusions, but I don't think she's got dementia. Those are different. Um, but uh, as far as Rubio's concerned, uh, his um, his chickening out of immigration reform a couple of years ago, in my opinion, disqualify him from being commander-in-chief. Look, we've had a guy in the presidency now for almost seven years uh, who will bend to the whims of the polls and the party. I mean, you're not going to dispute me on that, are you? No. Okay. Do we want another guy on the other side of the aisle who does exactly the same thing? This is what disqualifies him, in my opinion. He took a stand, which was a difficult stand as a Republican. And it was the right stand to stand up for what was right and what would fix America going forward. And as soon as Rush Limbaugh opened his mouth and started criticizing Rubio, uh, Rubio, as as Claire McClaskill said, was great. He folded like a cheap shotgun. Um and he was just kind of, now he's coming out and says, look, this is what on CNN on Sunday. Um, we can't do any immigration reform in one massive piece of legislation. He says, I know because I tried. Actually, you didn't try. You, 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 you left it when it went to the House. And you could have brought pressure on the House. You, with your, with your darling view of the world, people loving you, you could have gone out and said, look, 
this is what we got to do. We got to make this happen. It's a good deal. Um, so he said, Republicans understand that we have to deal with the 12 million human beings that are in this country that have been here for longer than a decade. So he's got he's got a clear line now. Ten years. You have to be here ten years for you. Now that is eighty percent of the undocumented, but not certainly all of them. But he said the influx of undocumented workers must be stopped first, so this will never happen again. Never happen again. Hmm. How? And, and I asked this question. I was in Washington, as you know. I was we talked about this more. I was in Washington D.C. this last week, and I asked a congressman that. How do you propose to make that happen? What What exactly do you mean by secure the border? What do you mean by that? Uh, and I got a lot of stammering and a lot of blah, 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 blah. It's got to secure the border. Okay, what do you mean by that? Again, Rubio, what do you mean by this? Um, and he says it never gained traction in the House because now it's anathema to, to conservatives. Um, you know, it's, it's I'm just so stunning. Rubio laid out his plan. This is Rubio's plan how he'd handle immigration if he becomes president in line with what immigration supporters like Bush and Lindsey Graham have called for. First, he said he'd ask Congress to approve legislation requiring business users to use E-Verify to check the status of their legal status of their workers to implement a system that tracks when foreigners with visas enter and exit the country to prevent oversight. I heard this exact same thing from Tom Price's office. We need to have mandatory E-Verify and what that's called an exit entry system. And you know, I, said, I said to them, this is great. First of all, E-Verify is not completely secure. You want to know my story? And I told them the story about my chicken processing plant. That's a joke, okay? Two, E-Verify without a supply of workers? Okay, destroy the American economy. Go ahead and do it. Three, are you going to verify current workers? And what kind of discrimination claims you prepared for that when you start verifying only Latino workers, only the Asian workers, only the black workers, and see if they pass E-Verify? Four, and probably even more important, the requirement of an exit entry system has been on the books since 1996, David. It was part of IRA-IRA. We're going to have an exit entry system. Because right now, when you leave the country, do you pass through immigration? No. You just get on the airplane and you go. And the airplane, if you're a foreign national, is supposed to collect your little white car, which don't even exist anymore, so they don't even collect it. So what does what what Customs and Border Protection do? They look at the, 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 uh, the tickets that are bought. And if you buy a ticket to leave the country... Guess what they show? They show you left. Even if you didn't get on the airplane. How do I know this, David? Because I've got clients who've done this. Hmm. And we've checked their online stat. Because you can check online departures and, and entries if you're a foreign national. Showed you left. Well, I, I booked that flight, but I had to change it because I showed you left. So I asked this congressman, why don't you fund it? Why haven't you funded it? It's not a question of not being able to do it. Now, I put Obama on it. This has been going on since Clinton. Clinton didn't do it. Bush didn't do it. Reagan didn't. Why? You didn't fund it. You didn't give him money. This is not going to magically poop out of Obama's butt. I mean, you got to give him money. And if you don't give him money, and how much do you think it's going to cost? What's your cost for doing this? How much you want to spend? You're going to cut more more food from children so you could do this. You can actually allocate funds for this. Where are you going to get the money for that? If you don't want to raise taxes for anything, how are you going to get the money? And you know what they answered? Nothing. Because they don't have an answer. They love talking in platitudes. If I'm president, yeah, I agree. We should have mandatory E-Verify as part of an overall immigration fix. We should have an exit entry control system that's funded by what? Maybe it's funded by tax dollars. Maybe it's funded by airplane user fees. But it's funded by something, and it's done immediately. And again, where's the bill that says these things? 
Has Rubio proposed this bill? He's running for president, right? Is, if, if I'm not mistaken, David, he's he's still a senator, right? He had not quit. So he could actually propose a bill that does this. Where is that? Where's the bill? Senator, where, where'd you do? Once we achieve that, this is like talking in platitudes. Once we achieve that, step two would be how we modernize our legal immigration system to create one that's less family-based and more merit-based because we don't want any more families coming to America. And only after that would he support legislation that creates a path decision for undocumented immigrants already in the country. Hmm. They would have to learn English, pass a background check, pay taxes, and a fine to get a work permit. And then after a substantial period of time, that says he could apply for legal residence, and then he said they could apply for citizenship. It's a long process, a reasonable process, a fair process, but it has to happen in that order, and it begins with serious enforcement measures. And where's your bill? Okay, Senator. Great. Let's say... You, David, would Obama sign that? Yeah, he'd sign it. He'd sign anything, really. <laughs> uh, where's your bill? If you if you if you're the leader of the Republican Party, that's who people think you are. Where's your bill? Chris Christie thinks probably the same thing. Bush thinks the same thing, but they can't propose it. They're not in Congress. So, Mr. Rubio, I ask you, where's your bill? Or you where's can ask bill? Mr. Cruz the same thing, can you? No, Cruz doesn't think, he's just thinking everybody should be deported and we should shut down immigration. That's Scott, we'll come up with Scott Walker's new plan here in a second, but, because he's jumped on the board of the Jeff Sessions know-nothing train. At least Rubio sees immigration as an important part of the marriage American experience, even though he himself didn't go through it. You know, he's not an immigrant. I mean, he's, he was born in the United States, although, as you notice, his parents weren't natural born. Uh, so, <laughs> I had to bring that up big, I know it makes you happy. Uh, I'm just curious. If, if if people think he's qualified to be president, how does his position on immigration make him qualified? When he has an idea that's been floated for 40 years, okay, and yeah, it's more specific now than before, but okay, where's your bill, Senator? You know how to write bills. You helped write the one on immigration last two years ago. Where's your bill? Uh, I'm just curious. And I think that uh, he's, uh, he talks big, but what do you think about it? I don't think he's qualified to be president. I don't think a one-term senator should ever again be a United States president. <laughs> I think we, we... Wait a second. What's the saying? We tried that. It didn't work. Isn't that what they say about an embassy? We tried that. It didn't work so well. Um, yeah, I, I think you're... I, I don't totally agree with you. Uh, Obama didn't win because uh, be, didn't win or didn't lose because of being a one-term president. He he won on he won on a uh, on a socially acceptable. Uh, we need this win. Well, he and won the I, first time on that. How did he win the second time? I'll tell you exactly how he. How won did he win the second, the second time, time, David? Did you happen to watch uh, any of the news last night by chance? I didn't get until 9 o'clock, so happened I went to, to uh, ha- Well, you didn't see. Do you realize what 420 was? Yesterday was 420. Do you know what that means? That was the anniversary of uh, bombing of Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. But beyond that, no, 419 was bombing. Oh, 419, okay. I, I, don't 420. Know, 420, I don't know. 420. 420 is the term for marijuana. So oh. they had a thing on if you want to buy marijuana and you don't want to say it, do you have any 420 or something? How do you know this, David? Um, because I watched television. I watched <laughs> those last time. And uh, you're asking, how did he win the second time? You know, Colorado has legalized marijuana. I do know that. And 
Well, you can't they, bank there with it. So They interviewed some of the astute individuals that were celebrating 420. That's how he won. Wait a second. There are so many marijuana smokers in the country that Obama got elected? That's your position. David, I, come on. Really? No. I think... No, I, I'm not saying just marijuana. I'm saying though that he got he got reelected by people that don't know they don't they don't listen to this show they don't listen to they don't even know who the vice president is they don't the the man oh, really, who, who does, you know who does I mean really well who cares, who cares? that's the <laughs> question is. I who is that's important but no I, I'm saying it's the attitude of the country and that's how he got reelected. Not because he had done a fabulous job. Well, David, the, job. the Republicans did a massive job vilifying Obama a, in the last election. They, they did a great job of losing. And they're going to do the exact same thing this time. If they're not careful, they sure will. Oh, it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter whether they're careful or not. They're going to do it. Because they're, they're excluding from the electorate people that could and would vote for them by demonizing them. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. David, it's great to be back. And we were talking about politics. I want to talk about Scott Walker. Scott Walker, who was the darling of the GOP three weeks ago, but apparently has tanked or something. Apparently he's off the radar again, uh, probably with good reason, because he's not going to win the presidency. Another person who's, I think, wholly unqualified to be president of the United States, even though he's been governor now for six or seven years, mostly because uh, he hadn't held a job. I mean, he's been in politics his whole life. I mean, I'm so tired of lifelong politicians running the government. I mean, I want to see somebody who's done something else in their life uh, besides be a politician. Scott Walker, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, and as well as a couple years ago, was in agreement with the Senate plan to pass some type of immigration reform that included a path to citizenship. But apparently, uh, he has been uh, bowing at the altar of uh, Jeff Sessions, and now apparently he's an acolyte there. And he says this, quote, in an interview with Glenn Beck, in terms of legal immigration, how we need to approach that going forward is saying the next president and the next Congress need to make decisions about a legal immigration system that's based first and foremost on protecting American workers and American wages. Um, First of all, why? 
this this is such a non-conservative position on immigration and the economy that it blows my mind. There isn't. I mean, this is a Democratic position, not a Republican position. He, all, all of a sudden, Scott Walker and Jeff Sessions are the the the, the saviors of the African Americans in America and and low wage skill work, low wage, low skill workers. Not exactly true. I mean, not true in any stretch of the imagination. Uh, they believe apparently there's only X number of jobs, and because there's only X number of jobs, X number of wages, we unfortunately can't have any more immigration. These are the same guys who don't support an increase in the minimum wage. And yet they're talking about protecting American workers and American wages. These are the same guy who's busted unions, and he's talking about protecting American workers and American wages. OMG, David, OMG! Uh, Because, first and foremost, we're going to protect American workers and American wages. Because the more I've talked to folks, I've talked to Alabama, Senator Jeff Sessions, others out there, but it is a fundamentally lost issue by many electors today is that what is what it is this is doing for American workers looking for jobs, what this is doing for wages. And we need to be at the forefront of our discussion going forward. That doesn't even make sense. Uh, this guy is just a joke. J- like Jeff Sessions is a joke. Um, he's called, uh, Jeff Sessions wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post last week where he argued that it was time to curb legal immigration flows so that wages can rise, welfare roles can shrink, and the forces of assimilation can knit us all to closer together. Kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya. Jeff Sessions is the harbinger of peace and tranquility in America today. Uh, who would have thunk it? Um, somebody called themselves. Somebody called him an immigration hawk. Walker may be hoping to placate conservatives, wary over his previous support for a pathway to citizenship. He's reversed his position, talking not just to citizens across the country, but to governors and border states who face real concerns about what's happening at the border, which has nothing to do with legal immigration. It Really, the incongruity of this guy's arguments is just stunning, David. You talk about an intelligent electorate, what we need is intelligent politicians. Find me an intelligent politician, David, and I'll show you an intelligent electorate. Um, have somebody talk to people in grown-up terms instead of platitudes and sound bites. And maybe, like, this is just a sound bite. He didn't say anything. He talked and said nothing. Uh, at least Rubio said something, although he won't back it up with, with, with actual words. Uh, the only people right now I, that I see in the GOP, David, as the primary moves, comes to a primary here this next year, the only two I see actually saying anything are Chris Christie and uh, Jeff Bush. I don't see anybody else saying anything that other than more than vapidness and empty rhetoric. Um, so there, there's Scott Walker. I, I think he is, uh, he's certainly not going to be um, uh, anything. You know what he's emulating? He's emulating Mitt Romney, who, who, who tacked so far to the right that he endorsed a program called self-deportation, uh, which ended up costing him the election uh, because no, no Latino in their right mind would vote for the guy. Um, uh, and at the same time, I mean, I think Walker is just going to be – I think he's he's a nothing at this point, and nothing's going to happen to his to his candidacy as he moves forward. So you got Rubio, you got Walker. Now, David, there is another president. This is going to be our presidential candidate show. There's another guy who I think you think is awesome. I think you're going to love this guy. I think he'd be a great president of the United States. And he essentially announced yesterday that he was 91 percent sure that he was going to run. 
David, do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, come on. Him, the man himself, Mr. South Carolina, Lindsey Graham. Oh, come on, David. You think he's awesome. You think he's absolutely awesome. Lindsey Graham, you don't think he'd be a great president of the United States? Oh, come Why not? David, he, he, he loves the military. He'll send them anywhere to fight as long as he doesn't have to go himself. Or he's a JAG officer. Is he a JAG? Is he in the military? Was he a JAG? Yeah. I did not know he was a JAG officer. He's the military. He meets your qualifications, David. You will now have a candidate no, you can no. vote for in the primary, I, David. I should have. I Wait a second. You're waffling here, David. You're waffling. I should have made the point exclusion would be, uh, would be attorneys. <laughs> David, he we, went through basic we training. That, we know that attorneys. He went through basic. He, he, he can carry it. He can shoot a gun. Uh, JAG officers don't have to go through basic. Well, there's a there's something they go through. I know because I have friends that went through well, it. They, they go through an officer's training. Yeah, that's like school. basic training, but easier. No, it's not. Oh, come on, David. You, you Are you denigrating the lawyers in the military who play an important yeah. part of the military justice system? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll give you that, David. Um, so, so he's in the military. I, I, I just think... Um, uh, here's what he, I, I love Lindsey Graham only because he, he I think he will run for president but you know why he's running for president because I think he thinks he just wanted to do it he, he just got reelected last year right I think he just got reelected this last year so he's got four, four years now hey, what the heck I'll run for president he's got to be what 60 something 64 65 at least um, and I love what he said about this um this is, about, this is talking about what he did. He was because he was one of the gang of eight as well. We did everything but put alligators at the border. We literally militarized the border. If we're still playing this game of denying the reality of immigration from politics, forget about 2016. I'm not going to sign a bill if I'm president that doesn't have an earned pathway to citizenship. If we allow you to stay, criminals are not welcome. Bad deed doers, off you go. But if you're going to let you stay the rest of your life, then you need to earn your citizenship. Get behind those who've done it right, pay a fine, learn the language, lots of hurdles. But I want you to have a chance to be part of us. I don't like the hired help approach. I love Lindsey Graham. He's great on this issue. I mean, he's great on lots of different issues. I just think he's a little hockey. It's a little hockey out there. Um, here's what he said about Marco Rubio. I believe in what I did or I wouldn't have done it. So what good am I to anybody if I don't believe in my own work product? Senator Rubio will be president one day. I don't know if it'll be in 2016. I think I'm a stronger Republican today because on occasion I've disagreed with my own party. I have nothing but positive things to say about what Rubio tried to do. Why he's separated, I don't know. I'll leave that up to him, but I'm not going to back off. Um, you know, I I, um, I think this is good. Oh, so you're a Lindsey, uh, Lindsey Graham. That's just because you all are both attorneys. That's both attorneys, uh, you know. and um, The fraternity of attorneys. We're everywhere, David. We're everywhere. We haven't had a lawyer in the White House really since Clinton. I mean, so we really haven't had a really well, great was, economy. Was since. he a lawyer? I mean, he went to law school, my and, friend. And he didn't know right from wrong? They don't teach you that in law school. They teach you how to differentiate right from wrong. Oh. And you should always choose the right, but... Um, uh, and let's see, uh, if your girlfriend Hillary wins, uh, oh, she, man, Hillary she was an attorney. Wouldn't, shouldn't she? Be, wouldn't, she, she be, wouldn't she be awesome, David? I know you like I her. think I think she'd be an amazing president. Really. And I, I think her ability to work with Republican Congress, it would be just it would be great. And transparent. Oh, full transparency. David, anytime you want to ask her a question, just give her a call. She'll yeah. answer the phone. Yeah. Any question you want to hear. 
Uh, drives her and, own van. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she's 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 chauffeuring people around. She's picking people up, bringing them to the polls. <laughs> uh, I, David, I think Hillary Whether would just documented be, or not. I, I think she'd be amazing. <laughs> I think she'd be absolutely amazing. Uh, when you call her President Clinton, and, and really the reason she's going to win because everybody wants the first bill. Will she let Bill answer the phone? This is the problem. I think Bill will be able to do anything he darn well pleases at that point. Uh, I, Monica may be getting another job in the White House. I don't know. Quite possibly. <laughs> what kind of job? Oh, that's that's. A, I think she's a, Monica's going to reinvent herself. I don't want to hold a young kid. I mean, she was a child basically when that happened. I don't want to hold young kid liable for stupid decisions that she made uh, as a child. I mean, it tells you teach your kids don't make stupid decisions. Um, now there is a guy, by the way, uh, running for president. Uh, who is a little hard to tell where he is on this issue, uh, and that's uh, our buddy Rand Paul. Rand is a very interesting guy, David. Uh, you know, libertarian by birth and by name, although apparently his name's Randy is what his wife says. But she didn't want to call him Randy, so she called him Rand. I don't know. I always thought his name was Rand, after Ian Rand. So Rand Paul, uh, he uh, he's a little wishy-washy on the whole immigration thing. Mostly because the libertarian concept of immigration, David, do you know what it is? Where libertarians have immigration? A true libertarian. A true libertarian? Uh, they should stay at home. No. A true libertarian is open borders. All right. You go wherever, wherever your desire takes you to be successful. Hmm. Nobody should be in your way to stop you from being a success. That's true libertarianism. You go to the Libertarian Party website, you would, you would see that. So he's not really a libertarian. And Ron Paul certainly wasn't a libertarian on that issue. He was, he was a closed borders kind of guy. So he, well, he, he while he believed in, in uh, uh, libertarianism, he only believed in it for people born in the United States. He didn't believe it for anybody else. Uh, but true libertarians believe there should be no borders. It's just, okay, come and go as you please uh, and uh, truly make what you can of yourself. You know, If you want to die, you're going to die. That's your choice. Um, uh, but uh, I think Lindsey Graham is running for president. Because he doesn't like Rand Paul, the whole the, the quote, this whole thing about screwing around with Rand Paul, that's just for the benefit of this campaign. That's not why I'm doing. It. I like Rand. Rand is a libertarian. I'm a lawyer. He's a doctor's. Doctors are not used to being challenged. How true is that? Um, I'll fight until morning, day and night. This is a business for me. We have different views on foreign policy. Let's have a fight about it. Let's see where the party is. Is it going to be the party of Ron Paul's son or Ronald Reagan? At the end of the day, that's a fight worth having. Hats off to Rand Paul for trying to expand the party. On foreign policy, we're going to fight like hell. I think he's right to try to connect with young people. I'm not focused on kids who smoke dope in their parents' basement. I'm focused on young farmers, young lawyers, young real estate agents, young subway shop owners. He's a libertarian. I'm not selling libertarianism to young people. I'm selling conservatism to young people. There you so, go. so you're you you sound like you'd back Lindsey Graham. Is would you consider Lindsey Graham a professional politician? No, because he's had a job. He worked in life. He was a lawyer. Oh, he's been in politics <laughs> now. And he he, he was a he's a partner at a firm. That's a business. You when you when you're a partner at a firm, that's a business. I mean, you had to run a you had to make payroll. Well, he's only been in Congress. What's his third term this time? 18 years? 18 that's, years. That's so, And he's 60, so he probably had 20 years in the private sector, if not more. 30 years in the private sector. I'll give a guy that. I mean, give me something in the private sector. Anything. <laughs> uh, I'm just tired of guys that are professional politicians. Um, and so he's what? Now, this is a, so he's 
12, so he's the 13th year, 14th year as a, as a senator. I don't know if he was in, if he was in Congress before, he was in the House before that, I don't know. I almost think he was. I, I think I'm he curious went from to find House out, but, to Senate. Uh, yeah, I like, I like Lindsey Graham. I like Lindsey Graham. Um, I also like Chris Christie, although people tell me I'm crazy to like Chris Christie, but uh, probably because I'm from Jersey. It's a Jersey thing. You know, Jersey guys stick together. It's just what we do. Just what we do. Boy, you could have a split ticket between lawyer and. and uh, Wouldn't and it be Jersey. great to have Lindsey Graham and Chris Christie on the same ticket? They'd probably. Wow, uh, dude, that'd be awesome. They'd probably uh, shoot each other at sunset. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lindsey Graham as a VP. Think about it. He's just Who, like Joe Biden, who, right? Who's VP? I don't know anybody's VP. You you want to if, if if the candidate ends up being Man. from the north, David? Lindsey Graham wouldn't settle for it. I, I I don't know. I think he would. I think it'd be kind of cool. Let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to our final segment here on America's Web Radio. David, it's been a good show today. Talking about politics, I want to kind of wrap up the show here with my trip to Washington, D.C. last Thursday. Mr. Chuck goes to Washington. (laughs) Uh, I took the morning flight up, David, because I don't like staying overnight in Washington because it's crazy expensive up there. Crazy expensive. It's cheaper just to take a flight out in and out the same day. So I got there at 9. I got to Capitol Hill about 9.15. And uh, our first meeting of the morning was uh, with uh, Congressman... Who was that again? That was Congressman uh, Westmoreland. Uh, Congressman Westmoreland uh, from uh, South Georgia, one of our South Georgia congressmen. Um, and uh, not particularly receptive on the immigration, except as it applies to H- H-2A workers, you know, the agricultural worker issue. Uh, I think that if there was a vote uh, in Congress that allowed him to only vote on H-2As and not anything else, he would vote for it. But I don't think he's going to be supporting any pathway to citizenship anytime soon uh, or anytime while he's in Congress. Uh, our next meeting uh, was with John Lewis. I love meeting with John Lewis. David, have you ever met John Lewis? 
only met. Never talked to him. Never. David, I have to tell you, he is a very good man. If I'm as good a man as he is at his age, I will. I will have lived a great life. Uh, his office is uh, uh, basically a series of photographs, uh, starting at the Selma Bridge, just before the Selma Bridge, when he got involved in the movement, uh, all the way through today, and it's remarkable. Uh, it is. It's like a living history museum as you sit and talk with him, as you talk to his staff. Uh, he's a man who believes in justice. Uh, I can't imagine anybody would be opposed to justice. Um, he's not one of these guys that shows up with Reverend Al uh, on TV. That's not. That's not what he does. Yeah, uh, he you'll does. never see him at those places. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. You don't see him at those places. Where you see him is where there's social justice issues. And I think he has done a remarkable job working across the aisle. It was fun to hear him talk about working with, you know, Johnny Isaacson or, or Saxby Chambles on issues. He's not afraid to sit down and talk to you and hash out a deal that works for you and works for them, works for him. I, I, I was, I mean, we obviously got a great reception there. Uh, it was a, a good, good talk. It was a, a mutual understanding that the immigration rights issue that's going on today is not dissimilar from the civil rights issues <coughs> that started in the 60s that go on today. So that was a productive meeting. Uh, th- that morning, there was also a meeting <coughs> with uh, David Perdue. Now, David Perdue is our new senator from the state of Georgia. Uh, David is a, um, uh, a businessman, I mean, a, a, a kind of guy I like to see in office. Uh, but he kind of bought into this anti-immigration rhetoric on the campaign. And when we met, we met with him in his office. It wasn't him; it was one of his staffers. He was he was out of the office uh, in the morning. But his office, by the way, he's not in his actual Senate office yet. You know, you've been to D.C. I imagine you've been, in, and they're you know they're pretty nice. Senate office is pretty nice. House offices are really tiny, but the Senate offices are pretty nice. Same number of buildings in the House and the Senate. Only a hundred people in the Senate, four hundred thirty-five in the House. You can imagine the difference. Um, he's in the basement of the Russell Building with five other newly elected senators waiting for their spaces to be refurbished. <laughs> so it's just literally, it's David, your office is bigger than his office. Um, kind of a hovel. Uh, in fact, the meeting with his staffer was in the hallway because there was no place to meet. Uh, and, you know, I think he's not going to support immigration reform anytime soon. I don't think he's a Jeff Sessions kind of guy. I don't think he's a know-nothing. And he shouldn't be because family dollar stores that he ran catered to who? Immigrants and, and poor people. So I don't think he's into that. But I also don't think he's going to support anything that might not get him reelected coming forward. Um, we had an interesting lunch uh, where we heard from Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, who's a Republican, uh, talking about immigration reform and where he stands on it. And a very honest discussion about it. Um, we also heard from Senator Congressman Honda from San, from San Jose. He's the congressman from, from Silicon Valley, talking about the H-1B debacle that we just that just happened. Uh, and uh, after lunch, we went over and uh, we met with uh, I met with Congressman Price. Now I talked to talked to Congressman Price for a few minutes. He was in the middle of budget stuff, so I only got a few minutes with him. Then I spent about a half hour haranguing his chief of staff on this issue. So. So I, I, I do what I always do. So tell me where what the Congress position on immigration is. Well, you know, we have to secure the border. Uh, and I said, stop right there. He, I don't think anybody stops this guy. Stop right there. What do you mean by that? Well, we have to stop the flow of immigration. Great. What do you mean by that? Uh, do you mean 
building an impermeable wall of plastic around the country and stretching Rush Limbaugh over the top? Oh, no, no, no. You know, we realize, there's, you know, not you can't. Okay, so what do you mean? What is your plan? Well, we have to have, no, really, if you say you have to do that, what is, and I went on this guy for five minutes just on that one statement. I think he was just stunned that I would just go after him. I figured, what, at this point, he's not going to vote for immigration reform anyway. I might as well just just corner him on this issue. Um, I said, you want to you you close the border? What do you want to do? And he, and he finally got smart and said, well, what would you do? I said, ah, that's the question, isn't it? What would I do? I believe border security is important and must come as part of an overall package. Where's your metrics? Where's your metrics? You can, right now, there are cameras on the southern border, lots of them. Cover the border with cameras. That's easy to do. You don't have to put a fence up. Cover with cameras and see who's coming in. Then put people where the biggest flows are to interdict them. That's easy to do. You can do that. And then see who's still getting through. See what your percentage are. Set a percentage. Say, once we have the border 90% secure, then we're going to enact the following reforms. You can do that. And it doesn't cost you a dime. You can do it in the current budget. You don't need more Border Patrol agents. You need better Border Patrol agents. You need better management. You need better security. That's what you need. And, uh, you know, he, I could see he was listening a little bit. But your idea that you're going to stop illegal immigration without, at the same time, creating a path of legality for people to come legally, what makes you think the demand is going to shrink just because you decide to close the border? You think the demand is going to shrink? No. Well, then where's the supply going to come from? Okay, they won't walk. They'll build balloons, and they'll float over. They'll build better tunnels, and they'll go under. They'll just get on boats and come up the, the Mississippi River. I mean, you think that's, that's not an option for people today? Okay, the border's not going to work. I'll get on a rowboat, and I'll row, I'll row myself in. Come on. Have a, I said, you should have a brain. I said, you need to have a brain about this. If you have a system where people can choose, I can come illegally and it's really hard and really expensive and really dangerous, or I can go to the consulate and sign up for jobs and come legally, and I know I'm going to get that, and it's not going to cost me but half the price or a third the price, which one do you think people are going to do? Say, well, obviously choose the legal way. So why don't you agree to do the legal way with the border? That's what you need to do. So you can, you can shrink the flow dramatically by having a legally working immigration system and you solves your problem. Oh, we have to get by if we why don't you propose it? And I kept saying, you know what we lack on this issue? We lack Tom Price being I spent a long time with this guy. We lack Tom Price being a leader. I want my congressman to be a leader on this issue. I don't want him following. He's in a position now on the budget committee. He could lead on this issue. This is an economic issue. You know the huge, manifestly large amounts of tax money that come in by fixing this problem? You can cure budget holes with stuff like this. I want my congressman leading the way. And failure to do so is a lack of leadership on his part. You know, I want to run against him. That's what I want to do if he's not willing to do this. I said this to the guy. He's probably just like, Cook is absolutely nuts on this issue. Um, And then we close out our day... Uh, meeting with, uh, who was the last? Oh, Scott, uh, David Scott. Um, overall, it was a very interesting day. Uh, Isaacson's office, we didn't even bother going to. Oh, somebody went over there, but they weren't even there. They, didn't even, they weren't even there. So uh, what was interesting about this, David, is the Democrats we meet with are like, yeah, do it. 
you know, but we don't, we can't do anything. And, and, and really the Democrats in the House will not have the House back for probably at least until 2022, 2024. Uh, so that's going to be Republican all the way through. And then you've got the, the Senate, uh, who will probably switch back to being Democrat after this next election. Uh, but who show no leadership skills, no ability to lead. Now, your good buddy and my good friend, Harry Reid, is retiring. He's retiring. Uh, and um, as part of his retirement, David, he's no longer going to be the Speaker of the, ha- speaker of the Senate, the Majority Leader of the Senate. Uh, do you know who's going to be the Majority Leader of the Senate after, after Harry Reid? It's two guys voting, vying for it, two guys. On the Democratic side? Democratic side. Because oh, it's Schumer. not the Republican. The Republicans will have their two years and they're gone. Schumer McConnell will be the minority. Uh, who's, who's it going to be? Schumer and uh, and or uh, Durbin. Durbin, yeah. So either Chicago guy or New York guy. Bad and worse. Bad. <laughs> when the Schumer hits the fan, we're all in trouble. Um, Durbin's not bad, uh, but a group met with Dick Durbin on this issue. <laughs> That's a really good impression, David. Schumer. We met with uh, we met with Durbin on this issue. Some uh, colleagues of mine. We had four hundred lawyers up there, David, meeting with our congressman. And I asked this very Gosh, one question. good drone strike. Yeah, <laughs> I I was uh, this last question I asked Price's guy, and I asked this to Lewis's people too. What are the chances that this Congress, which goes through next year, will address immigration reform? Both sides said zero. David, isn't that sad? Isn't that really sad? An issue of importance, of national importance, tossed to the wayside because people won't compromise on this issue. And they're kowtowed by the crazies in the know-nothing segment of the GOP. I don't get it. You get what you pay for. You do get what you pay for. Right now we paid nothing and we're getting poor congressmen. It's been a great show this week, David. I'll be back. I'll be back live in two weeks. You'll be playing a replay next week of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Until then, be good, be awesome, and be be uh, be faithful. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have immigration reform. I can know it. I know it, David. One day it's coming. It's coming. This is America's Web the best in chat radio designed just for you.